Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, here. Uh, middle of the week, off day for the Bucks. They are preparing to take on Central Division rivals, the Indiana Pacers. And I am back. Uh, missed the podcast yesterday, as you guys no doubt already know. Frank Madden took over. He ran a solo pod as the Bucks beat the Blazers, or the Bucks destroyed the Blazers 134 to 106 in what was uh, really a pretty fun game. And let's just say that I am pleased that I'm joining the podcast today uh, in a little bit better spirits than we were a couple of days ago when we called it the uh, Bucks Therapy Podcast, which again, of course, from time to time, when we start to get a bit frustrated with how the team is going, there was some mixed reactions to some of our ideas, and that's also uh, all okay as well. But the Bucks, uh, for now at least, are back on the right track. We'll talk about the paces a little bit later on in this show. Uh, if you are joining us for the first time or you're a recent uh, listener of the show, then you can also uh, subscribe to us uh, wherever you're listening to this podcast, rate, review, all those types of things. And you can get me on Twitter at Kane Pittman. Uh, I'm, I'm normally talking general rubbish and buck stuff and a little bit of tennis stuff at the moment. Like Frank pointed out yesterday, uh, the reason why I'm not doing the post-game podcast here for the next couple of weeks is I am working at the Australian Open, which is uh, a lot of fun. And it's been kind of interesting, actually, because I've been uh, watching the replays of these games, but generally with the timing, I catch the first half and then I'll jump in the car. It's about a half an hour drive for me to Melbourne. I'll listen to Ted Davis uh, and our good friend, Justin Garcia on the radio, which is uh, Dennis Krause as well for home games, which is awesome because uh, when I first started watching the Bucks a long, long time ago, 15, 16 years ago, uh, even longer. But Ted Davis was the guy that I listened to on Audio Lead Pass, so it's a bit of a throwback for me listening to Ted uh, on the radio in the car as well. And uh, it's also fun hearing the passion that he has for those listeners that listen to Ted. Uh, you can Let's just say you can sense a little bit of disappointment. That game against Charlotte on the weekend when I was in the car, uh, boy, the threes... Uh, how everyone else was feeling, how all the fans were feeling, how I was feeling watching all those threes go down. Uh, let's just say it was coming through uh, the mic with Ted Davis as well. He's a legend, uh, a great caller, and always fun to listen to. Uh, there is some news as far as the Bucks go and those living in Wisconsin, I'm sure, will be absolutely all over this. The Bucks have just released a statement in regards to uh, potential fans going into the Bradley Center in the near future here. So. Uh, this has just uh, come through from uh, Peter Fagan, the FISA Forum President, Milwaukee Bucks President. Uh, we have submitted a plan to the city of Milwaukee to allow up to 25% capacity at Bucks games starting later this month. We look forward to the city's response and would be excited to welcome fans back to FISA Forum soon. So uh, 25%. I actually originally thought, uh, for some reason, I don't know, I, I thought it was 250 people I read, but 25%. 
uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. I know certainly there will be some people that will still have reservations about going to arena. And I think that makes perfect sense to me, particularly uh, as an outsider looking at the situation, how it's sort of transpired uh, over in the States the last year or so. But uh, this will be a lot of fun. Uh, getting any type of atmosphere uh, back into FISA Forum will be fun. No courtside Karens, please. If you're out there uh, and you are listening and you've got uh, much more money than I have and you're a courtside Karen, just uh, stay away. Uh, as LeBron uh, James described uh, this uh, young lady from Atlanta's uh, husband, old steroid ass, no steroid ass is needed at FISA Forum, please. We can, we can keep them out. But it's going to be a lot of fun because I think the introduction of fans to the NBA and and probably not 25%. I'm not sure if 25% is going to be enough to really tip the scales here in terms of uh, significant atmosphere in the arena that might actually alter the home court advantage or uh, the, the player's performance. Because I think this is one of the great unknowns that we've seen from the NBA this season. And I tweeted about it during the first half of the Portland game where in the first nine minutes of that game, uh, the Bucks had seven threes, the Blazers had six threes. And just listening back to the podcast with Frank, the post-game pod, which again, if you didn't listen to it, you should go back and check that out. He said that it was a bit of a shaky start to that game and he wasn't wrong. I mean, I think if you're a Bucks fan watching the start of that game against Portland, you're thinking to yourself, you've got to be kidding me. And it wasn't the usual suspect in Damian Lillard. His first three actually came uh, on a a pick-and-roll play where uh, Lillard came around the screen and completely changed uh, defensive coverage to what we have got to know in the past. Uh, Brooke Lopez defending Damian Lillard right up at the three-point line. But as we know, there are some players in the league where it doesn't really matter what you do defensively. They still have the capability to knock down that shot. Uh, Lillard did hit that first three, and you're thinking, well, here we go. This could be a long night at the office. Uh, the Bucks did a fantastic job containing Lillard altogether. But the three-point shot is so fascinating to me, and I've just been having a discussion with Frank and uh, Dean Maniat, Eric Neymar, uh, Mitchell Maurer as well in our group message here, just trying to work through what impact uh, the crowds are having, what impact the improved three-point shot, which right now as it stands league-wide is around 1% higher than where it's been, uh, than where it was last year, which uh, is significant. But the number, again, that stands out to me, because I, I mentioned this on the podcast a couple of days ago, but it's been updated now with the Bucks having a terrific shooting night against Portland. The Bucks have now hit 20-plus threes in four games this season. They've had four such games go against them as well. But it is important to note that teams are just... Uh, uh, this is how I describe it. It's the only way I can describe it. Teams are shooting the absolute shit out of the ball right now, and it's become increasingly difficult to defend the three-point shot just by how deep these guys are shooting it. And I, I wonder, and, I'm, and the players have said that the no crowds are having an impact on this, but I'm really curious to see as crowds start to filter back in, and just think about this. If things go to plan, and we cross our fingers and we hope they do, if things go to plan and by playoff time, we do have significant crowds It's going to be really interesting. This is going to be an unknown factor of what type of impact this is going to have on the games because we can talk 
about the defensive issues that the Bucks have had, and they are very real. This isn't just some random uh, occurrence where teams are shooting better than they ever have. No, I mean, it doesn't hide the deficiencies that there has been defensively for the Bucks as they try to figure things out. But I do think it's having an impact. And so far this season, uh, there has been 35 games, as I'm recording this, before tonight's, uh, before Tuesday night's games have come through. There's been 35 games where teams have shot 20-plus threes so far this season already. Last year, in total, there was only 69. Nice. But there was 13 of those that came in that tiny little one-and-a-half-week stretch at the end of the regular season in the bubble. 13. So that tells me that the environments, the changed environment is impacting the way these guys are shooting the ball. And I look, I look at the Bucks roster right now and I look at the way some of these players are shooting the ball. And look, we're, we're beyond the quarterway mark of the season. I do expect that these numbers are going to come down a little bit. But I look at Bobby Portis, 46%. Uh, go down, Bryn Forbes, 43% would be a career high. He's a terrific shooter, but that's still a higher number. DJ Augustine's back up at 42 after having a pretty miserable shooting year last year. Pat Connaughton is at 43%. And Brooke Lopez, as well, is up at 35, 36, which uh, is around the average of where he was three years prior to last year. But remember, he was below 30% all season long last year until the bubble. And then he started to shoot the ball well. So look, uh, again, we're going to continue to talk about the defense that the Bucks are going to uh, throw at teams and, and how they're going to adjust. I really still have a lot of faith in the individual talent defensively in the starting lineup for this Milwaukee team to figure it out. Second unit, there's still question marks. But I will say that it's never been more difficult uh, to defend the three-point line than it is right now. And as Frank pointed out, with some of the personnel change, we've also seen the Bucks slip a little bit in the area that they have been so dominant for the last couple of years. And that, of course, is in the paint. And when you combine those two things, you start to see some of the struggles the Bucks have had. I think it's, uh, it, it's, again, it's a combination of all these things, but we're going to continue to watch. But the last stat I have, the three-point shot has never been more important in determining winning and losing. When the Bucks win, they shoot 43% from three. When they lose, they shoot 33%. Their opponents, when the Bucks win, shoot 33%. When the Bucks lose, they shoot 47%. It's, you know, it, it is pretty basic. But the one thing I'll say the Bucks need to do, they need to cut down on those wide open threes, the game against Portland. Uh, you may think that the def defense was better from the three-point line, and it was. In many respects, it was. They cut down the wide open threes from 20-plus against Charlotte down to 13 against Portland. Portland was still 7 for 13, above 50% on those wide-open threes. So that is still the danger uh, for the Bucs as they continue to move forward, uh, cutting down on those wide-open threes. I want to talk about offense a little bit, but before I do, uh, talk about our friends at CBD MD because the holidays are finally behind us, which means it's time to catch, on some, catch up with some much-needed sleep. And even though getting a good night's sleep is much easier said than done, our good friends at CBDND have exactly what you need to sleep harder than the NBA media is sleeping on the Bucks edition of Drew Holiday, who was fantastic again against Portland yesterday. 
CBD PM blends 500 milligrams of high quality CBD with melatonin, valerian roots, chamomile, and other sleep promoting ingredients to create powerful and effective sleep aid. And to make it even easier to get the year started off right, they are offering our listeners 25% off your next order when you use the promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, that's cbdmd.com promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. We're covering everything you need to know about the Milwaukee Bucks, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski of Locked On Packers, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I mentioned it before we went to the break there. I do want to talk about offense a little bit. And certainly, even if I think back to the playoffs last year and the playoffs against Toronto and think about Fred Van Fleet and those wide open threes and last year Jay Crowder and those wide open threes, it does lend you to think or to feel that the Bucks' defense ultimately has been their problem. And look, it, it's all part of it. And when you get to the playoffs, oftentimes you'll see teams that are, are well and truly capable on both ends of the floor in the top half the top 10 on both ends of the floor that will make it to those deeper stages. But for Milwaukee, I've always had a concern about their offense. And part of the reason for that has been that in years gone by, we've had significant concerns about Eric Bledsoe as the third scorer in this team, what he was going to provide in the postseason, as great as he was defensively. Uh, we know that he wasn't reliable, a reliable offensive option for the Bucks. So, you know, clearly this offseason... We've seen Milwaukee go to the, the free agency class and pick up a bunch of guys to fill up their roster with the second unit that can score a lot. Uh, we've seen Drew Holiday more and more show the aggression on the offensive end. I've spoke about it before that I feel very comfortable with the ball in Drew Holiday's hand in the fourth quarter. Clearly, I feel very comfortable with Chris Middleton with the ball in his hand, both as a scorer and a facilitator now and a finisher at the basket, which was not something that we've seen from him, but has continued to develop into his game. And then, of course, you just have the two-time MVP there as well. So I do think that the Bucks have increased their offensive output. And as we look at it right now across the league, the Bucks still comfortably the number one offense in the league at 118.4 offensive rating. Now, of course, when you play a team like the Blazers and they're not a great defensive team and you put up 120-plus points and actually... <laughs> It's quite remarkable that they had 120 points considering they had a six-minute stretch, a six-minute scoreless stretch in the fourth quarter there once the bench came in, into this game. But we've seen this team look like a, a real powerhouse offensively. The questions are still going to come for me in the half court. And if you go to cleaningtheglass.com, they have the half court stats right now. And certainly a positive for Milwaukee is that they rank third in the NBA for half-court efficiency so far this season. So you've got Brooklyn in first, then the LA Clippers, then Milwaukee, then Denver. There's the four teams that are averaging 100-plus points per 100 possessions in the half-court. And clearly, once you get to the playoff time, 
these numbers are going to uh, increase in terms of the amount of possessions per game you have in the half court. The Bucks are a fantastic tra- transition team. They've spiked a lot of their transition offense from uh, steals, from deflections, from their defensive prowess. So we'll wait and see how that translates to the postseason. The one cautionary number that I will throw out there uh, right now is that when I say that the Bucks are third in offensive efficiency in the half court, yes, they absolutely are. But they are actually have, I don't know whether this is last or first. I, I don't really know how to say this, but they are last in the NBA in terms of the percentage of plays that have come in the half court. So Milwaukee, 76.5% of their possessions have come in the half court. Uh, and then if you go to those teams that are at the top, so Brooklyn is up over 80%, 80.1%, and the Clippers at 817 So there is a significant difference there, and we'll have to wait and see uh, how this all translates. But again, getting back to the guys that they added from the bench, and it was interesting because Frank mentioned on yesterday's podcast that you know, the the second units, we're going to feel the impact or we're going to see the impact certainly in a playoff scenario from what they can do defensively or maybe what they aren't able to do defensively. And that certainly makes sense. I made this point with Eric Name last week though, and I, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I do think that clearly there's significant question marks defensively on guys like Bobby Portis and DJ Augustine and Bryn Forbes. No doubt about that. We're seeing them have games like they had against Portland where they have significant impact offensively. They can't miss a shot from the outside. Bobby Portis is just an absolute physical force, honestly, on the glass. He's able to uh, get putbacks. We saw the putback dunks coming from a number of bench guys, Connaughton, Bobby Portis and Thanasis yesterday as well. My whole thing is that they got brought into this team to score. So even when it gets to the postseason, when we hope that the starters are playing high 30s, I think we've seen enough evidence early in the season to suggest that Bud has <laughs> learned his lesson in that regard. The starters are going to play significant minutes in the postseason, no doubt about that. They're going to be better prepared to do so. But you're still going to need 10, 15 minutes from a Bobby Portis and 10, 15 minutes from a Pat Connaughton and a Bryn Forbes. And in those minutes, those guys are going to have to score. And we've seen so far this season that in big games, those guys haven't been able to stand up. And part of that, as I'm always very uh, remi- very quickly reminded from Dean Maniart, to, who, you know, when I, when I bring this up, he quickly reminds me, yes, it's, it's a small sample size so far. There's no doubt about that. And maybe there's a bit of luck involved in the way that those guys haven't been able to score efficiently against those good teams. But when they're out there, even in the postseason, when you don't know what you're going to get defensively, the second unit has to score. So Bobby Portis... Uh, clearly, so far this season, I, I think it's fair to say has exceeded expectations. The guy's averaging 11.2 points and 7.5 rebounds in only 20 minutes. Uh, he's been a bit of a monster. I already mentioned the 46% from three as well. So Bobby Portis has been on absolute fire. And, uh, and Bryn Forbes, another guy who I know draws the ire of the fans for some of those long twos that he's taken. But I think overall, his confidence... And really understanding of his role that he's out there to score, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that from a role player who knows, well, I'm out there. I'm here to score. We've compared him to Kyle Korver, not in that they're the same player, 
But certainly, come playoff time, he's going to be that guy where you're going to put out there for five or ten minutes and you're going to say, okay, this is your time to score. We need you to put up a quick, you know, maybe ten points at times. If he can get you 10, 15 points in the playoff game, uh, that could certainly tilt the momentum uh, of that game there. So overall, the Bucks continue to tick along offensively. I do feel better about this team. Uh, offensively, there's no doubt about that. I think that we're just going to have to see how that half-court offense against really, really good teams uh, continues to develop. Because again, as much as it was fun to beat the Portland Trailblazers, much like I said in the game against Charlotte, where they shot like crazy and hit all those threes, yesterday was the same for the Bucks. They couldn't miss. You can't really rely on that. The one thing that I will say, though, is that you know, we always talk about over the course of the season, luck and outlier games, and, and those terms get brought up a lot. That's okay over the course of a 72-game season, but the problem we're talking in that manner when it comes to the NBA playoffs is uh, you only really need one of those nights or two of those nights to go against you, and you could be down in a series, so you would prefer to have the consistency across the course of the season because that's, that's the beauty of the playoffs. You need a little bit of luck. And that's always something that is hard to determine before we actually reach that stage. Uh, I want to talk about betonline.ag now. I, I did make the joke about the line for the Blazers game on yesterday's podcast, but uh, you know the Pacers coming to town tomorrow. It's an ESPN game. Mike Breen is on call. Jeff Van Gunny, Ariel Hawani is going to be there as well, just in case anyone wants to, uh, any players want to get each other in an armbar. We'll have some expert commentary there. But betonline.ag is the place to go if you want to check out any of the markets for the Bucks and Pacers game tonight. Uh, betonline.ag is the only place that has you covered and the one place we trust. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDON for your 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. March Madness is a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first big board of the year out with profiles of Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and more. What about Josh Giddy playing in the NBL? Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Bucks Paces coming up. Uh, do not miss. The early tip, uh, 6 p.m. Central Time tip. I'm not 100% sure why that's the case midweek, but here we are, 11 a.m. It suits me. I'll be able to watch this uh, full game before I hit the road uh, tomorrow. The Pacers are actually at home tonight as I'm recording against the Memphis Grizzlies. And uh, where I am looking at the box score right now, they are off to a very hot start, leading 30-15 to 15 halfway through the first quarter over the Grizzlies. The Indiana Pacers... Uh, currently 11 and 9 on the season they'll probably win this game and move to 12 and 9 the bucks as we know 12 and 8 second in the east as uh, i am recording this but indiana one of those teams 
that consistently just plays good basketball during the regular season, uh, really always transforming their team as well. When you think about Paul George and then into the Victor Oladipo uh, era, which, by the way, if I can go back to the offseason, it's funny now to look at how the Bogdanovich deal really was botched. And one of the guys that I was really intrigued by was uh, Victor Oladipo. And I know that he's going to be a free agent this offseason and there was significant health concerns. There's no doubt about that. But he's really playing some nice basketball uh, with the Houston Rockets and looked pretty good when he was with the Pacers as well. But the Pacers will be without TJ Warren as well, who may not actually return uh, for the rest of the season. So they are really being carried by Malcolm Brogdon, our old friend, and DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, Brogdon averaging 22.9 points on 45-40-90 shooting splits right now, and he's also getting you seven assists with only two turnovers. It is interesting to look at the Bucks' starting lineup now, and, and I thought Dante DiVincenzo was, uh, he was decent yesterday. I thought he was aggressive, and I like that. He's got to stay aggressive, particularly within this starting unit, because the opportunities are going to come few and far between for Dante DiVincenzo. So he has to take them while they're there. I thought he did that particularly earlier in the game. And one of the things I mentioned about Dante, he makes the miraculous look very easy and sometimes makes the very easy look very, very hard. Whether it is a straight-up wide-open catch-and-shoot three, whether it's a a layup in transition that he should finish nine times out of ten, but it feels like he can only finish five times out of ten. There's just a lot of refining to do with the, uh, for an NBA professional basketball, the simple sides of the game, but it's obviously going to be a talking point every time the Bucs play the Pacers because the guy that probably should be starting in that second uh, guard spot, Malcolm Brogdon, is just having one hell of a season. And listen, the one thing I always said, I, and I was fine with moving on Malcolm Brogdon in terms of the contract. I didn't think it really he, he really uh, was going to live up to that. At this point, I have to say that I'm probably wrong. He's playing at an incredibly high level. He once again is going to be in the frame for all-star selection. Of course, the health is always going to be an issue with Brogdon. But the one thing that we never disputed was that it was a completely blown asset. And we're seeing that uh, in Indiana. He's been fantastic and really got... A, a terrific relationship on offense in the pick and roll with Sabonis. And the Pacers are going to be a tough team to beat on any given night. Uh, they also have a bunch of shooters that are going to be out on the floor. I already mentioned the fact that, that Brogdon's shooting it really well. But Justin Holiday, we could have a battle of the holidays tomorrow. He's shooting 39%. He was another sneaky outside free agent veteran guy that I liked on this team. Uh, Doug McDermott is there. Uh, Miles Turner has just been a beast blocking shots, but still a little suspect uh, shooting the ball there. But the Pacers overall, generally uh, a, a team that is going to stay in the game. We know as far as Central Division rivals go, the Bucks are still the favorite to take out the Central, but the Pacers are going to be right there as well. So this is going to be a fun game. Uh, no fans yet, but as I mentioned right off the top, uh, the Bucks hopefully... They're going to have some fans in the arena and I don't know, maybe that means it's closer to me coming back to Milwaukee. Who knows? As things start to iron themselves out, I'm sure that date uh, will come closer and closer. But I think I'll wrap it up there for today. Uh, A fun conversation 
For sure, talking about the the evolution of, of basketball in terms of the crowds and the three-point shots, uh, the Bucks offense, certainly something to watch. And keep an eye when you're watching the games, how they are scoring in the half court. We've spoke through the season about some of the adjustments they are making uh, as well on that end. And to me, you know, you look at the rest of the East, you look at Brooklyn, but Durant, Harden, Kyrie Irving, you look at Boston even with Jason Tatum, Kimball Walker, Jalen Brown, Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. Those guys can score in the half court. The Bucs haven't been able to do it in previous postseasons. I think they're in better shape, but they're going to continue to need to improve throughout the regular season, despite the fact uh, right now they hold the NBA's best offense. Uh, like I said, 6 p.m. tip tonight against the Indiana Pacers, uh, Tuesday night U.S. time. I, I guess I should clarify that. So make sure... Uh, you check out that game. Of course, it's Wednesday night. I don't know what I'm talking about. Forget it. Uh, I don't know what day it is anymore. I'm working night shift at the tennis. I've completely lost it. But we'll be back with a post-game pod after Bucks paces Milwaukee looking to win back-to-back games. And then I'll be back to wrap up the week for your Friday podcast as well. So uh, like I said at the start, if you are new to the podcast, we appreciate you listening. Subscribe, rate, do all those great things. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow.